It's Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk, Jazz Bites with Brian Priest and McCade Pearson. It's been a roller coaster of emotions for the Jazz today. The day begins with news that Dwayne Wade bought an ownership stake in the franchise, showing what a great direction Ryan Smith has taken the team. Then, in an early afternoon game, Donovan Mitchell sprains his ankle, leaving the Jazz shorthanded for much of the second half. But the day finishes with a Jazz win over the Pacers and now two games in Los Angeles against the Lakers. Stay tuned as all that and more is coming up next on Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk, Jazz Bites. Welcome into Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk, early dinner edition. Your host, Brian Priest here, joined by McCade Pearson, as always. And um, McCade, today was a roller coaster of emotions from... About 10 o'clock this morning, news of a new owner, Dwayne Wade, The Flash. We have a second superhero. Donovan Mitchell goes down with an injury in a 1 o'clock tip game. Jazz have a pretty terrible first half, turn things around in the second half. Whoo, what a day. It's 3.45. The game ended about 15 minutes ago, and yeah, it's already been a very eventful day before 4 o'clock. But um, let's dive into it. Do we just want to go chronological, I guess? That's the easiest way to go through today. Let's sure. start with the Dwayne Wade news. What's your instant reaction to longtime Miami Heat legend turning into Utah Jazz legend Dwayne Wade, and not even overnight, in a matter of like an hour? My instant reaction was I saw it on the ticker. I had ESPN on while I was playing some 2K, waiting for the game to start, and it said Dwayne Wade buys stake in the Jazz, and I was like, that's got to be a mistake, or is there another Dwayne Wade? <laughs> so I go to several different sources. I look it up. Sure enough, Dwayne Wade is uh, buying into the Jazz ownership. That's my instant reaction. And the main thing for me is I want to make sure everybody realizes that Dwayne Wade right now, as long as he is employed by TNT and is an analyst, he cannot have any role in basketball operations. He can't talk to players during free agency. He can't... uh, like he just can't be involved with the franchise while he works for TNT. If he resigns that role or steps away from it, then he can have a more hands-on role. But right now, I get the impression it's more of just I want to get involved in the business. I want to see what it's like. But I think this is a great thing for the Jazz, and it speaks volumes about what Ryan Smith is doing with that f- franchise. And I don't know exactly what was going on on Twitter yesterday, but apparently. There was a lot of hate being thrown the Jazz way about the scholarships that Ryan Smith is offering to underprivileged minorities. And I don't know, man. I just think this shows what a good person and what an incredible direction Ryan Smith has taken this franchise in. Yeah, and I'm kind of right there with you. I think it's cool. I think it's unique. I don't think it really matters in the short term. It might matter in the intermediate term. Um, But yeah, your kind of optimal goal is Dwayne Wade's not going to go get you LeBron James or someone like that. We've seen Michael Jordan do that, and it hasn't worked well. But maybe Dwayne Wade gets you a couple minimum guys who you might not have gotten. Or I think the biggest on-court um, thing is, I think this makes Donovan Mitchell a little bit more likely to sign a third contract in Utah. But again, that's half a decade away. So yeah, that's way I down the I don't road. think it really impacts anything short-term, other than it's just a cool face to see around the arena. And you know what? This might just be Dwayne Wade trying to match LeBron James' four championships this season. That might be all it is, so... Well, it makes sense because the Jazz are going to win a title this season. And, I mean, you bring up LeBron James, and he might be right that people didn't play as the Jazz playing video games and stuff, but we got an actual future NBA Hall of Famer buying into the ownership group. So I'd say that's a little bit better than picking the Jazz on NBA Jam. Yep, they're buying in 
the real thing. So that should be fun. We'll keep an eye on that over the next decade or so. Um, but I'm not expecting anything immediate to come out of it, either good or bad. And now we're going to have some star power in the stands. Gabrielle we Union do. might come out for a few games. That'll we be fun. <laughs> Ryan Smith knows people. And uh, <laughs> for all you aspiring businessmen out there, um, learn to play golf because uh, that's where you need my calming and doing noise and whatnot. So my dad always said the, his biggest hindrance in his business career has been he sucks at golf. So learn how to play golf and you'll get some better opportunities, I guess. Hey, I don't think you even have to be good at golf. You just have to know how to hit it the right direction most of the time and then be able to chat and have a few drinks on the course. So that's right. kind of my opinion on it. Pretty much. And I'll tell you what, um, I'm great at having a few a drinks bit, on the golf course. Because the Jazz, the Jazz did play a 1 o'clock game that had some ups and downs in it and some weird bounces and some bumps and bruises. And Afternoon games are fun, aren't they? This kind of threw my body clock off watching a game at 1 o'clock. I can only imagine what it was like for the players. But let's... Let's start with Donovan Mitchell. We have to talk about this. This is going to be something, obviously, will be the topic of conversation for all Jazz fans. It's going to be big news across the NBA. Donovan goes down early in the second half, was it? Yeah, I think about eight minutes to go in the second half. So it looked to be a sprained right ankle. That's what the Jazz are reporting. As I left the house to come in and record today, I saw a report that x-rays are negative on that ankle and that an MRI is scheduled for later tonight. The one good thing is when you know ankle sprains can come in a lot of different varieties. Sometimes you're almost better off breaking an ankle than you are spraining it. But in this case, it's not a similar injury to what LeBron had in that high ankle sprain. So the high ankle sprain is when it, the foot actually turns inward. And this one, you could see it clearly turn outward. So yep. typically with that type of an ankle sprain, and I'm just wildly speculating right now, but based on the ankle sprains that I've suffered in my life, the recovery period is shorter for the type of sprain Donovan looked to have suffered today versus what it could have been if it was a high ankle sprain or, God forbid, if it had been a knee or something like that. Oh, because, you know, the camera was weird. They didn't show it, and so you just kind of saw him down until you saw the replays. And it was really scary there for a minute. Um, but, yeah, the process with these are I follow a couple sports doctors on Twitter who you can send them videos and they'll break stuff down. Obvious ankle sprain. You do the x-ray before the swelling comes to make sure there's no breaks in it. The Jazz did that. We're good there. Um, and then, yeah, they'll do an MRI tonight to see how bad it is, see how long he'll be out, and they'll go from there. The sports doctors I follow on Twitter said with the low ankle sprain in the video that they are projecting him to be out somewhere between two days and six weeks. So that doesn't answer a lot of questions. <laughs> but I think we'll get a good timetable probably by tonight, if not tomorrow morning. The Jazz are supposed to take off here in about 40 minutes when we're recording this at 4.30. Um, so Donovan Mitchell will not be on that flight, and I don't think there's any reason to fly him to L.A. or nope. to Houston. None so at all. I think he'll be for sure out the next three games, and then we'll evaluate on a game-by-game, day-by-day, week-by-week basis at that point. But as of right now, knock on wood, it looks like there's about 0% chance he'll be missing the playoffs for this, and that's what's important. And the really nice thing about what the Jazz have put together at Vivint is they have an x-ray machine in-house. They have an MRI machine. I'm about 80% certain they have an MRI machine in the locker room area. So they can get all of this done in-house. They can make sure and be extra cautious with all, with all of it. I mean, they are sitting in the one seed right now. It's fantastic that they were able to pick up the win today, so you're not stressed going into L.A. and thinking, oh, we dropped that game against the Pacers at home. Now we have to press and try and win these games against the Lakers. You can just take things as they come. And, I mean, honestly, this was something I put on Twitter right after the injury happened, but it's something you and I have talked about. 
Donovan Mitchell is the best player on the Utah Jazz, but Rudy Gobert is the most important. I believe personally, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, but I believe that the Jazz can withstand a five to ten game stretch or so without Donovan Mitchell. I think they have enough offensive firepower. I think Bojan Bogdanovic has really been coming on over the last couple of weeks, and he has shown time and time again that when he's more of a focal point in the offense, he's just more engaged, and he's a better player when he's getting more shots consistently. So I think that they can, as long as Clarkson can stay healthy, as long as Mike Conley doesn't miss any time, uh, Joe Ingles can stay healthy, I think the Jazz can definitely withstand losing Donovan for a little bit of time, and as long as he can come back at 100%, it might even be a good thing for the long-term future of the Jazz because he's going to get you know a week, maybe two weeks or so of chance to rest and just let his body as a whole recover. So not great, obviously, to have your best player, your highest score, somebody in the MVP conversation go down with an injury, but I don't think it's the worst-case scenario that it could have been. Yeah, um, I'm right there with you. We talked earlier this week about how the Jazz struggled to fill Jordan Clarkson's possessions when he was out. I think they'll have a lot easier time filling Donovan Mitchell's possessions because if you have Mike Conley and Joe Ingles on the court in the starting lineup, theoretically, they'll each take a couple extra shots. Joe from just extra minutes, Conley from being a little more aggressive. Ingles and Conley are both a lot better than Donovan getting the ball to Rudy, so you can get Rudy's double attempts up a couple. Boyan can take a heavy load. You can easily distribute his 20 possessions among five or six players. Mm-hmm. Um in his minutes. Uh, it'll be a little bit of a challenge, and you might see some rough stretches here or there, but overall, big picture, Mione, Joe Ingles starting, Clarkson Conley, um, Boyan, they should be able to fill his possessions pretty well. So I'm not worried about it short term. I wouldn't even really be worried about it in a playoff series against a team like the Grizzlies, and so because you're going to need Donovan to kind of get back into playing shape when he does come back, whether that's at the end of the regular season or maybe as the playoffs a tiny bit, probably some combination of both if he misses three to four weeks. Um, and it's really by that second round of the playoffs that you really need him going, and there shouldn't be much issue there. So uh, big picture, I'm not concerned at all. Um, we talked about in the weekly how there's a, it's a, good to have some internal pressure and some Phoenix Suns breathing down your neck as you go get the one seed. And this is just another layer of that, that I think it's, it's good to have that pressure up there. And, you know, you never want to see an injury. And we often forget that this means Donovan Mitchell is going to be in pain and not sleep well and all that fun stuff that comes with injuries for the next six weeks. And that sucks on a second-to-second life basis. Um, but from a purely basketball standpoint, big picture, I'm not expecting this to impact too much on the Jazz odds to get the one seed or the Jazz odds to win a championship. The one area where it does give me a little bit of pause is not in terms of scoring. It's just ball handling. The Jazz are much more effective when they can have two and three ball handlers on the floor at a time. So obviously losing Donovan is a big blow there. But I think, like I've said, over the short term, it's something that they can definitely deal with. And it's, it's going to give a couple other guys a chance at playing time. Mia Oni is going to see a lot of time now. He is. And, and, and I you know, think the that's other a good one thing, thing here is that's just one less body you can afford to get hurt. It's okay if Donovan's hurt. It's okay if Clarkson's hurt. It's okay if Conley misses a couple games. But with Donovan out, that puts a lot of pressure on Conley to play back-to-backs tomorrow in L.A. That puts mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on Clarkson to be fully healthy coming back from his ankle injury. You know, it just, it's one less, um, I don't know what the word is, it's one less strike you have You're behind in the count, I guess. So yeah, you've got to be a little yeah. bit careful there. Um, so as long as you can keep everyone else healthy, you're fine. But if these things compound and escalate, then you get into trouble a little bit faster without Donovan around. The nice thing about this back-to-back and the Jazz traveling to Los Angeles immediately after this ball game and having a game tomorrow afternoon, the 2.30 mountain tip-off against the Lakers tomorrow. But Mike Conley, if they choose to play him on both ends of this back-to-back, there's also a question about Jordan Clarkson and his 
his health and uh, you know whether or not he's going to play the back-to-back. But the nice thing is, if you look at the calendar, there's only one day off in between games. But really... There's about 52 hours between these games. Essentially, from Saturday afternoon to Monday night, the Jazz are going to have two days off. So if you did have to play Clarkson and Connolly... Two days in the L.A. nightlife. Yeah, nobody gets to go outside in L.A., though. I don't, uh, <laughs> I'm don't. i not worried about that. L.A. is shut down. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> it's not ideal, obviously. It never is ideal to have one of your, your best players, a rotation guy, go down with an injury like that. And, of course, it's scary when it's Donovan Mitchell, but... I'm not freaking out. I'm not hitting the panic button. And, I mean, let's start talking about this game a little bit more now, McCade. Part of the reason why I'm not hitting the panic button is because of how well the Jazz played in the second half, about 20 minutes without Donovan Mitchell, and just the way they flipped the switch. And that might sound like kind of a condescending term. I I don't think it's like, oh, we just decided to play now. It was just they made some adjustments at halftime. They gave up 69 points in the first half. They looked disjointed. And it was a struggle on both ends of the floor. But they go into halftime. They make a few adjustments. Quinn Snyder is one of the best halftime adjustment coaches in the league. And I think this game was very indicative of how important good offense is to the Jazz defense being effective. Because they really struggled offensively in the first half. And their defense showed how bad they were struggling because of turnovers, live ball turnovers, transition buckets after they weren't able to score. And then in the second half, as the offense started to flow a little bit more smoothly, the defense was really able to lock in. And Rudy Gobert, again, we could talk about it every single day of the week, but he's the best defensive player oh. on the planet. So Raptors defensive rating, um, 538th metric, just updated over the last couple of days. They now have 2021 Rudy Gobert as the single best defender of all time. Um, he's just been lights out. He was lights out today, specifically in the second half. I don't know if the Pacers scored 10 points in the entire second half is what it felt like, especially when he was on the court. And a uh, big adjustment by Quinn there. So Rudy Gobert hasn't played much this year, um, like one might expect. He finished it at 37 and a half minutes a day, played the entire third quarter, um, mm-hmm. and then the last nine minutes of the game, so 21 minutes in the second half. After Donovan's injury, they just rolled with Rudy basically the rest of the game, and it worked. That was his second highest output of the season in terms of minutes played, only behind the overtime game against Philly. So the Jazz really did lean into Gobert and really wanted to win this game, and Rudy totally stepped up to the plate and was just fantastic. Now, Rudy was incredible in this ball game. Looking at his numbers right here, he had another 20-rebound game, 23 in this one, finished with 13 points, was plus 11 on the day, four blocks, and was a menace again at the basket. Demonis Sabonis always struggles against Rudy, but the way Rudy was able to adjust, the Pacers got a lot of points in the paint in the first half, a lot of easy layups, and then in the second half, Rudy did a great job of taking those things away. I wanted to ask you about one lineup that I saw, McCade, that only played for about three minutes to start the fourth quarter. But I really liked what I saw from them defensively. Offensively, it wasn't as good. But defensively, the way they were moving together, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Mia Oni, George Niang, and Juwan Morgan looked like a five-man unit that it did not look like they were on the floor together for the first time all season. Yeah, no, they were really good. Um, you know, you go with Ersan Elislova in the first half, and I thought Ersan was fine. Um, yeah. Not perfect by any means, but I thought he was good. Um, and this is what I really want to see out of Quinn moving forward is it's okay in the first half to play one way and kind of need some offense from my guys like Urson. And then in the second half, if you have a small lead and you need a three-minute stretch just to get stops without Rudy Gobert, maybe you go Juwan Morgan. You know, I think we've talked about this with late games, and maybe if you're down, you go with the scoring lineup, and if you're up, bring in favors and Gobert type thing. So I did like that adjustment. I don't think it's because 
Juan Morgan played better than Ursan Eliasova, or vice versa. I think it's just at that point of the game, they needed different things, and they both did their different things, and they're on the court. Um, so, yeah, that lineup was really fun. Good to see Morgan. We haven't seen him in a while. And uh, Mione's a legit rotation player, borderline rotation player, probably on the plus side of that, where I totally am comfortable with him playing 10 minutes a game and not worrying about it. Yeah, Mia Oni's been really good. He's definitely a borderline rotation player, and I think that this time that he's going to get over whatever amount of time Donovan Mitchell misses is going to be invaluable for his development. Uh, it's going to be a great thing. Hopefully he's able to find his shot a little bit better than he has over the last few games. Last thing I feel like we need to cover today, McCade, is the resurgence. Is it too soon to call it a resurgence of Bojan Bogdanovic? He's been awesome the last few games. Uh, still have some concerns, and yeah, Brad wasn't a huge Boyan guy last year, um, but he's been he's been great, and he's been scoring the ball really well. And you talked about how this is a good opportunity for Donovan's rest of his body to get healthy outside of his ankle. This should be a good opportunity for Boyan to get out some extra shots and hopefully continue to get into more of a rhythm as we get into the playoffs. So I think there are some I don't want to say good things because injury is never great, but there are some unintended positive consequences yep. from it, mm-hmm. that the Jets have an opportunity to have some things fall into place. You know, Boyan comes out tonight, 24 points, third straight game over 20 points, and, you know, it's just really good finishing at the rim finally a little bit better with 7 for 10 inside the arc today. And there's hope for Boyan after the last, really the last two weeks, ever since the start of April, he's averaging, I think, 19 points a game in April. So good stuff from Boyan. We are not 100% Boyan haters on this podcast. (laughs) You stole my thunder there. I had pulled up Boyan's numbers through April, and yeah, he's averaging just barely under 19 points per game on 48% from the field, 37% from the three-point line. And the thing that I like the most about what we're seeing from Bogey right now is that he's been not just hanging outside on the perimeter and shooting threes, but he's been aggressive going to the basket, and he's not flailing, looking for the foul call every time. And I think that's made a huge difference for him. He's going up stronger. He's focusing on making the bucket rather than drawing the foul. And it's making all the difference in his game. And you can see the confidence growing over the last, what is it, the 16th of April. So over the last 16 days, the nine games the Jazz have played during that time, Bojan looks like a different player right now. And frankly, one of my first thoughts after Donovan went down was, Boy, I'm sure glad the Jazz didn't trade Bojan because they're going to need his offense now. Yeah, but then my second thought was, dang it, I wish we had Desmond Bain to come off the bench instead of Adoka. <laughs> um, I do want to throw out one more thing because a couple years ago, the Jazz had like a two-and-a-half-year stretch. They didn't have a 10-assist game somehow. Uh, Mike Conley, 14 assists, now 10 today. His ball movement's been really good, and he's really thinking the Jazz offense better lately this whole season. Whatever time frame you want to compare it to the last season, it's been great. and So that's good to see because the Jazz are going to need Mike Conley to play like legit all-star while Donovan Mitchell's out. Couple players we should mention: George Niang again, big off of the bench, nine points, three for seven. Yeah, I think uh, Bowler mentioned that before the game. How he George felt like he never got really a full shot with Indiana out of Iowa State, and now three, four, five years later, he's really showing that he's developed into a great bench player, and he is definitely earning himself some money next year as he heads into free agency. The other guy we should mention is Joe Ingles. Joe took one shot in the first half, and then after Donovan went out with that ankle injury, Joe came in and just did what Joe Ingles does, and he hit three threes in the second half. He had a couple layups. He was setting up Rudy for attempts at the basket. He got six rebounds. It was another great game from Joe Ingles, and he's one of the main reasons why I don't panic about Donovan going down, because I don't love what this is going to do to the time that Joe has to spend on the floor right now. I'd rather he be able to save some of those minutes for the postseason, but he's 
perfectly suited to step right back into the starting lineup, start playing 30 minutes a game for a few nights, and help carry this team through the Donovan Mitchell injury. Yep, he's awesome. That 72 shooting percentage number, which would be like by far the craziest high of all time outside of non-centers, is very much in play. He was at 68-75 today, so he's still right there just making every shot he takes is what it feels like. So Joe Ingles is going to be Joe Ingles, and I have no fears at all playing him 48 minutes a game because he's just that good. So whatever he ends up at, the Jazz are in good hands there. And We talked about it early in the podcast, and I'll just reiterate, the Jazz are fine without Donovan, at least in the short term. Um, Just get him healthy and get him ready for the back half of the playoffs really anything past about game three or four first round you need them healthy for so they're in a good position still they're still going to go and get that gold little patch on the back of the jerseys we're looking forward to and everything is okay in utah the jazz are probably headed to the airport right now they're taking on the lakers tomorrow afternoon in los angeles 2 30 it's going to be an espn game tomorrow Can um, I just throw out? sorry to interrupt you oh but yeah no donovan mitchell no anthony davis no lebron james Primetime Saturday afternoon game. <laughs> this is Rudy Gobert's time to shine. Let's go, Rudy. Take Andre Drummond to the woodshed. Do you have a prediction for us tomorrow? Uh, I think the Jazz win pretty comfortably. Do you want a score prediction? I'll throw out there. I'll make something up. 114, 103. We'll throw it out there. I like where your head's at. All right, man. Where can I find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at McCadeph. It's M C C A D E P H. You guys know what to do as we celebrate another Jazz victory. Jazz win. I love it. You can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter at bpriest24, at B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. You can find Home Court Press on Twitter at homecourt underscore press. If you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe, share, rate, and review the show so more people can find it. This has been an instant recap edition of Home Court Press Utah Jazz Talk Early Dinner. Take note.